You're listening to the Resurgent ATL Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Everybody must be tired this week. All right, well, we listen, we've got a, uh, an amazing speaker for you today. Our, our one and only, our family, uh, he's one of ours. Stephen has been such a part of this family for, for, for six years, man. I mean, it's been crazy from the beginning. And uh, it's funny because we, f- we first met Stephen uh, at a Sozo conference, and he was leading worship at a church down on the south side. And uh, man, Terry and I went in there, and we, we were watching him, and we were like, man, this young guy's anointed. Man, so awesome. And then the next thing we know it, our son and daughter-in-law are connecting with him, and he's coming over and helping us plant on a Saturday night, and we can't get rid of him. So <laughs> it's, it's, I'm so glad we didn't, we didn't get rid of him. He's like the adopted son that I need to have now that my son moved to Arkansas. So I call, I'm not kidding you guys, I call Stephen probably every other day about 6.30 in the morning because he's an old man at heart, and he, gets, he goes to bed early like I do, and gets up early, and then he drinks his coffee, he has two eggs and a couple pieces of bacon, I know exactly what he eats. So it's, 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 re, it's real life, we're just like two old men going at it, I was, every morning I call him. So, uh, but uh, we love him, and I know you'd love him too. So let's give a round of applause for Stephen Hardwick. <laughs> Woo hoo! I love you, guys. I love you. I love you. That was great. All right, yeah. You you know you're you're successfully doing life with people when your pastor and your friend knows your breakfast order. God. Ooh, man. Let me catch my breath for a minute. How are we doing this morning? We doing good. How about worship? Thank you, Aaron and Allie. You guys are such a gift to this house. There, there's, there's something that I love when you have your hands in multiple ministries and you live your life not bound to one church or one body is that all these different ministries and groups of people become one big family to you. And it's such a gift that, that the, the well of intimacy that's dug in worship in the burn, we get to benefit from that here on a Sunday morning. Isn't that powerful? It's not separated and we don't have to dig a trench between it. It's just supernaturally transported from there to here. What a gift. So thank you guys so much. That was so beautiful. Hey, I want to, um, I want to read something uh, from Scripture this morning that the Lord put on my heart at about 8 o'clock today, but I also want to share a word, a prophetic word that I got during worship. Um, Lord, which one do I want to do first? Let's do the prophetic word. So uh, Gaudi came up to me during worship this morning. I love Gaudi. I've known her for probably about 9 or 10 years now, I think, in total, just from being all over the place at different churches. But she came up to me, and I was, just being honest, a little bit nervous this morning because I wasn't really loaded with notes like I like to be. And so I'm like, okay, Lord, I need, I need some, some wisdom. I need something from you to help me kind of narrow my focus. And Gaudi walks up to me and says this. She says, hey, I feel like, what was the word that you gave me? I wrote it down. Uh, I feel like the Lord is, is saying something about the oil of gladness over you this morning. And I feel like this is a corporate word, which is why I want to share this. So, um, I'm going to share this, and we're going to take a moment to receive this if this is for you, okay? Um, but she said this about the oil of gladness, that she saw an image of, of me, but for all intents and purposes, this is us, okay? For, for us, she saw an image of someone dancing on top of grapes as a, as a, as a dance of celebration of joy. And that dancing on the grapes, it was actually crushing the grapes and producing wine, 
Same thing for producing oil, right? It, it takes a crushing in order to produce the fruit of that. That makes sense? Anyone understand that this morning? She said this, that you're about to pour out in a way like you never have before, sprouting out of the ground from the well, and I sensed in my spirit from the well of worship and intercession that's been dug in this house. And so if you've been struggling with uh, being downcast, being discouraged, being depressed, uh, if that's you, will you lift your hand any kind of way? If you've had a, 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 something down in your spirit, don't be afraid. I, I feel like that if, if you can interact with this in faith right now, that there's going to be an actual spiritual fruit from this. Why don't you stand up, if that's you, just, just, to, just to activate the faith in the room right now. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, if you're next to someone that's standing, will you, if you want to stand with them and, and reach around and lay hands on them, let's just take a moment. Let, let the body be the body. Let's minister to one another for a moment before we get into anything deep today. And what I want us to do is I want us to begin to pray that the Lord activate this word this morning, that the oil of gladness be produced and poured out in this house. Come on, just begin to pray and minister to that person right now. Ask, ask Holy Spirit to come and minister. Lord, I re release angels, ministering angels right now into this room. Would you activate every angel on assignment right now that's on standby to come and minister to every downcast spirit, every depressed spirit. Lord, I pray for the mind of every believer in this room right now to begin to shift to the things of God to begin to believe. Come on, pray out loud when we pray in faith. Let your, let your out, out loud prayer begin to activate faith in this room. In Jesus' name, I pray right now that every dark spirit be cast out in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray right now, Father of lights, would you come and shine light, light on the darkest places of our hearts and mind and spirit and soul in this house right now. In Jesus' name, God, pour out the oil of gladness in this house right now. Pour out the oil of gladness in this house. God, I pray that you would take <laughs> our, our deepest depression, the darkest places of our hearts. Give us the spirit of gladness in this house this morning so that we may dance in the middle of our darkest circumstances right now. Let the dancing produce new wine in this house. The spirit of joy be released over each one of us right now. Come on, just begin to pray in the spirit right now. Lord, release your joy. <laughs> release your joy, Holy Ghost. Come on. Come on, if you're one of the ones that stood up, won't you begin to laugh prophetically right now over your circumstance and situation? <laughs> Come on, just begin to laugh. <laughs> Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Come on, come on, come on. I remember Damon Thompson said this long ago that laughter in the face of your darkest circumstances actually confuses the enemy. So won't you begin to laugh right now that the works of the enemy would actually not prosper because your circumstances but it would be determined by the joy that you carry right now in this season. So begin to laugh. Yeah, come on. Come on. In faith right now. Come on. Let this prophetic act activate. The, the book of Acts is not just centered around miracles, signs, and wonders, but the, act, the physical acts required to activate that faith. So just as a prophetic activation, do something right now that you, you can't feel like you do or you don't feel like that you can do. So if it's laughter, laugh. If it's dance, if you need to dance right now just to break off the, the, the powers of darkness right now, just begin to dance.
Yeah, come on. Come on, just another 20 seconds. Just keep praying right now. Lord, release the oil of gladness right now in Jesus' name. <laughs> Woo. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Woo. Come on, anyone that received prayer this morning, feel a, feel a noticeable difference right now in your, in your spirit and the way that you feel. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Can we just celebrate that, that, that God's doing something powerful in the room right now? Thank you, Lord. Wow. I want to read this. This is Psalm 118. I, I thought about this passage this morning, uh, and I've marked this, this little orange box around it. This was from, I think, maybe seven, eight years ago, and, I, and the Lord brought this to my attention. I thought that was so funny. But in, in, with this oil of gladness word, this is Psalm 118. Listen to this. Open to me the gates of righteousness. Say righteousness. That I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Come on, isn't that good? So good. All right, well, listen, this morning, I got a couple of things I want to talk about. Um, Last month I preached, anyone here the last month I preached about three or four weeks ago on lights or gaia, ministering to God's presence? Dallas is freaking out in the back. This is, this, whenever we use Greek words, he's like, oh my gosh, this is fantastic. Finally, someone understands my language. Uh, it, who, when, when we left here three or four weeks ago when I preached that, I, I left with a charge that, that this wouldn't be just a, a good message that we walk away with that just enriched us, but it's something that we become. There are some messages that blow wind in the sails, that, that give us strength, that give us acceleration, but there are some words that actually turn the wheel and, and, and begin to cause us to veer in a different path, right? Some encourage, some steer. The liturgeo is, is a word that can do both. It can activate us supernaturally to, to keep us going in the direction. Prayer room people love this message because the ones that labor in the prayer room seven days a week nonstop fuels them. For and Listen to me when I say this. This isn't me being critical, especially of us. This house is really good about this. We love to minister to God's heart. For many people in the church... This is a message that is a slow turn of the ship for many people because a lot of the church, and I talked about this, a lot of the church shows up to church to receive something rather than to pour something out. I'm very thankful that the people that we have in this room show up to pour out every week. And that can only be accomplished by being filled up daily, by being captured in secret by God. My friend Matthew Lilly, who was here, I think it was in January Matthew was here. Matthew shared a testimony, was it like a week or two ago on Instagram, of a, of a lady that was faithful to their prayer room for years and years and years that had just passed away. And, and Matthew and his wife Shepherd wanted to have lunch with her and get notes from her. And Matthew showed up with a notepad and a Bible hoping to get some you know, revelation or something that he'd never learned before about, you know, how do you stay faithful in prayer? How do you, you know, 30, 40, 50 years, how do you keep going without losing hope? 
And she made this one statement, and this has messed me up in the best way possible. He won't let me go. He won't let me go. And that, that, one, whew, that one thing there has encouraged me the past two weeks to, to change the way to, that I think about praying even, worship, ministering to God. It's not something that I can coerce him to do. If I get this right, it's going to motivate my heart to stay faithful. He won't let me go. I'm not trying to convince him of anything. He's trying to convince me of something. God is fully convinced that everything he has spoken will come to pass. Every, every word that he speaks, nothing returns to him void, right? We know this is scripture. Why do I believe that it will? Come on, y'all are quiet. Are you catching this this morning? This is a game changer because now anything that I pray does not just begin in me, it began in God. I say this all the time when I talk about worship and prayer. Worship is agreement with who God is, the nature of God. When we sing songs, we're declaring the nature and the goodness of God, right? We do that every single week here. Prayer is agreement with what God wants to do, right? Both are agreement. Do you catch that? In, in the very definition of both of those terms, prayer and worship are both agreement, which means that no matter what I sing, say, or declare out of my mouth, if it's the will of God, it began in him. And so now my posture should no longer be, God, I really hope that this happens. It has to happen because he spoke it. Y'all are still quiet. I need, you, I need somebody to get excited about this. I said this statement about the book of Acts this morning while we were praying a few minutes ago, that any, any sign, miracle, wonder, anything supernatural is kick-started through faith by a physical act. The seven Hebrew words for praise that we have for our one word for praise, all seven of those, and I'm not trying to get us to be a hype church. I don't want us to be dependent on you know, the, the shouting or the jumping around. That, all that stuff's fine if it's, if it's in God, but let's not get crazy. But listen, all of those seven words are a physical response to an inward reality of what God is doing. Do you understand that? It's a shout. It is a bowing down of the body. It is a kneeling. It, that, those, that's what those words are, are, are made for that in the context of when it says, oh, praise the Lord. Praise isn't just a, hmm, thank you, God. And I'm not, listen, I'm not trying to be critical of how you worship. You can absolutely worship that way. But in order to truly activate the thing that God is trying to accomplish through you, there has to be something outwardly that activates the thing that he's doing inside of me. That was free. That wasn't even what I'm talking about this morning. <laughs> so I just want to encourage you this morning that if, if, if you sense that God is doing something and stirring something up inside of you, ask him, Lord, how, how do I activate this through faith? Is it a shout? Is it an amen? Is it, do I need to stand? Do I need to kneel or, or anything? Just begin to ask Holy Spirit this morning, God, how, how am I to activate what, he's, what you're doing to me today? Cool? Amen. That's free. <sighs> Thank you, Lord. Last month, we talked about Liturgeo, which is ministering to God's heart, ministering to his presence. Uh, I just want to recap this for a minute. First Chronicles 13 through 15 is the, the moving of the Ark of the Covenant. In chapter 13, David and his crew ultimately fail because they're trying to do this in their own strength, their own way, their own mechanisms, the way that they've accomplished things before. 
and the whole entire operation breaks down. In, in chapter 15, David inquires of the Lord what they need to do. And so David then appoints, what, and we talked about this a little bit, the skillful worshiper, the most skillful worshiper. That word skillful in Hebrew means the most discerning. Which means that the skilled worshipers in, in talent as musicians failed because they were reliant on their ability to produce good sound rather than decide and discern what God was saying and doing. And it wasn't until they put the one that was less talented but more discerning that knew how to move God's heart and to listen to what he did. It wasn't until then that they were able to successfully move the Ark of the Covenant. I like to argue that until 1 Chronicles 15 and from that point forward was the beginning of the fulfillment of Amos 9-11. In that day, the prophecy of Amos in that day, I will restore David's tabernacle. That was the beginning of that because until then, David did not catch the revelation that even though he was a worshiper and knew how to discern God, that it wasn't about his talent, skill, his methods, his mission statement, uh, his wealth. It wasn't about any of that. It was his ability to hear and discern God and to obey in that what he wanted to do and accomplish that. Amen? Come on, some of y'all are getting it. I can see it on your faces this morning. Good stuff. Um, thank you, Lord. I want to read something. Um, you actually mentioned this this morning about what Clint did last week. I want to read something out of Colossians real quick that I didn't get until the middle of worship, but th this is something that, that Josh and I have been talking about with the burn a little bit. Why don't you turn to Colossians 1 real quick. I, I'd like for you to have this if you want to go back and read some of this later. Colossians 1, verse 15. I'm going to be jumping around a little bit with some scripture. I have a 4 or 5 that I want us to read. And if you're a note taker and you want to take this home and chew on it and, and let this become a part of you, I encourage you to at least write down these references. Colossians 1, 15. I'm going to read this. He is the image of the invisible God. Talking about Jesus here. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Whew. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Firstborn from the dead. How many know that, uh, this is gonna be a little bit controversial, but I want you to stick with me. That on, that on the resurrection an ascension of Jesus, when he ascends to the throne in heaven, and all of heaven celebrates, that even though we read in scripture that he sits at the right hand of the Father, that, that's a positional authority, not just a, a reality, that there, there is no secondary throne that Jesus sits on in heaven. Is this okay? Uh, controversy coming. Just, just hold with me. In heaven, there is no hierarchy that Jesus is secondary to God. 
We, we know Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, absolutely, three in one. They, they, they hold equal authority and power. But God found it pleasing that when Jesus would ascend to heaven, that he would crown him King of kings, Lord of lords, and put him at the center of all heaven. When we worship together, this is scripture, when we worship, he puts his throne in the middle of it. Who does? Jesus. And so the image of the unseen God who is Jesus, this is what I want to talk about today, the person of Jesus a little bit, does not sit secondary to Father, does not hold more hierarchy than Holy Spirit, but Father and Spirit both find it pleasing to elevate him above all things. Why? He's the only one worthy. Why? Because God said so. (laughs) And again, what he says has to be true. Whatever he speaks is reality. And so I just want you to have this image in your head this morning. Uh, There's several of you that are catching this right now. I can sense it. this, This is a big deal for me. This is a, I think about this every day because if this is not true, then God found it pleasing to punish his son to take on the sin of the world and thought that was fine when in fact it wasn't about punishing, it was about redeeming what was lost. This is a bit of a weird message because it's not necessarily a worship message and it's not a prayer message, but until we understand the the position in which Jesus sits, which is also our position, we have to understand this. Anytime that I say the, the place that Jesus is enthroned on, the central throne of heaven, that is the position you and I have. We're, now, I'm not God and you're not God. Don't, let's not get that twisted. I'm, I'm going to try to cover these statements as much as I can this morning and do some damage control before it happens. I'm not saying that you and I are now in charge of everything. I'm not worthy of that. You're not worthy of that. He is worthy of that. And by that, I'm brought into covenant with God through Jesus. Because of him, I no longer have to set the terms in which God agrees to meet with me. But he's found it pleasing through the Son and the sacrifice on the cross to make a covenant with me, a grant covenant, so that I no longer have to set the terms and live by religion, but now, because of the place that he sits, I get to access that. How beautiful. How beautiful. So read Colossians 1 again this week. I, I think this is one of the most beautiful scriptures that I'm, I'm dwelling and meditating on right now. It's that he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Why is he the image why, why does God choose to be unseen? Why is Holy Spirit unseen? So that he can be elevated and seen above all. The beautiful person of Jesus, man with eyes like fire, hair like wool, voice like waters. God thinks that Jesus is worthy to be seen out of the three. You catch that? Okay. Cool. I want to read, uh, again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to continue to read some scripture this morning. Why don't we go ahead and pull up Luke 10, 38. We're going to read that in a minute. Luke 10, verse 38. All right, let's read this real quick. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. 
And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Say one thing. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, the good part, which will not be taken away from her. This morning, I want us to think about Luke 10, the, the, the contrast of Mary and Martha. One wishes to serve, the other wishes to minister. I think a lot of y'all know my history in the prayer movement. I've, I've been a part of at least only the prayer movement for about 10, 11 years in total now. That's either serving a house of prayer that's attached to a, a local church or serving the night watch, midnight sets at IHOP Atlanta just to come in and worship and help fill slots just to be faithful to, to keep 24-7 worship and prayer going. I think the one thing that has disappointed me the most is the lack of integrity in the worship movement. I think a lot of us know that, especially in Atlanta. There, there's a lot of prominent worship people in the city, in this region, and it's just in the southeast alone, North Carolina, South Carolina, Atlanta, South Florida. There are a lot of really influential worship groups and worship movements that have either come out of or call this region home. And I think a lot of, it, a lot of us in this room understand that there's been a lack of purity in that. And it's noticeable. You hear big records that come out, big albums that come out, and we go, man, there's just not a lot of oil on this. I don't know what it is, but it's just, it really doesn't move my heart or even more so than that, move God's heart. It just doesn't feel like it has any, any oil on it. And for a long time in my early 20s, I didn't really know how to describe that. I just thought, man, maybe this, maybe this season's just kind of weird for me or it's weird for them. Or just, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's the culture that we're in right now. And I began to define worship by the season that I was in which ultimately <laughs> crushed my spirit in a lot of ways because I didn't know how to discern, again, what God was doing or saying in, in the season that I was in to know how to worship him rightly in that moment. But I want to say this. Uh, I, I want you to hear me too. I, I hope that I don't come across too critical this morning, but I, I want to make some statements today that, that help us understand how to get back on the right track when it comes to worship and prayer and ministering to him. That any lack, any lack of purity, any lack of oil or intimacy in worship is ultimately on the, the fault of the prayer movement. I'm going to say this again. Any lack that we have, I'm going to take movement out of it. Any lack that we have in worship is responsible by the lack thereof in prayer. We've talked about this. I talk about this with our intercession team that comes here at 9.30 in the mornings to come and pray and to get this room ready for us to encounter God and him to encounter us. That happens every week, by the way. And if you want to be a part of that, I want you to come and talk to me because this is where history's made. Anytime we go, man, worship just wasn't really good or this album just really isn't anointed or hitting. I don't know what's going on. I can guarantee you that it can always be traced back to a lack of prayer. We're awful quiet this morning. And so I want to argue this to you. 
and this is a challenge, but also to encourage you because I think we get kind of hopeless and lost when it comes to worship and go, man, I just don't know how to worship right now. The circumstance of life that I'm in or the season of life I'm in, I don't really know how to, I just don't feel like worshiping. Then pray. Father, will you, will you give me your spirit? Mine's not good right now. I need yours so that I can pray rightly. Not to pray for my spirit or soul or my circumstance, but to pray your heart and will so that I can align my spirit back with yours to pray right. To worship you like you're worth. Hmm. Why don't we turn to, uh, I'm going to read one more this morning, Matthew 26. Matthew 26, verse 6. This is a little intense. Are we okay? We're doing good? Too late now. No going back. Jesus. Let's read this together. Matthew 26, verse 6. Here we go. Jesus was in the town of Bethany in the house of Simon. Simon had a very bad skin disease. We all know this story. It's a very popular story. A woman came with a jar of perfume. She had given much money for this. And as Jesus ate, she poured the perfume on his head. When the followers saw it, they were angry. And they said, why was this wasted? This perfume could have been sold for much money and given to the people, to the poor people. Jesus knew what they were saying. And he said to them, why are you giving this woman trouble? She's done a good thing to me. You will have poor people with you all the time, but you will not have me with you all the time. She put this perfume on my body to make it ready for the grave. For surely I tell you, wherever this good news is preached in all the world, this woman will be remembered for what she's done. For surely I tell you, wherever this good news is preached in all the world, this woman will be remembered for what she's done. Why has Jesus in this moment decided to make the story of Mary of Bethany the centerpiece of evangelism in the New Testament, in the New Testimony, in the New Testament, excuse me? That even with Jesus being the center of, of everything, he's decided that this story right here, this one where she took a year's wages of, of perfume and broke it lavishly. Judas even comments in, an, in another testimony of this same event that this could be spent elsewhere. <laughs> we could have spent this anywhere. We could have saved it. We could have bought food with it. And Jesus responds to all of them and says, from here on out, wherever my gospel is preached, we will talk about this. A week before he's led to the cross, this is what he decides that the gospel will be. Do you get that? For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. That, that is the gospel. Plus, Wherever you preach the gospel, tell the story that this woman came in with everything that she owned 
and as an offering to me, poured it all at my feet. Why? Mary had the revelation that one thing was needed. Luke 10, there is only one thing necessary. And this morning, I know this is a little bit shorter than usual and less teachy and noty and enriching with, with good theology, but I, I think this morning, more than anything, I, can, I could teach a whole TED Talk on Leitergeo, how to minister to his presence efficiently. <laughs> Three easy steps to effectively worship God. That, that, those are great because those give us stepping stones. They're, they're a guidepost. They're, they're like the, the, the rails that come up at the, at the bowling alley. They give us a, a dedicated lane so that we don't fail, right? Those messages are awesome, and I love those. They're good for me. But I, more than anything, for this house, for this family, for my family, you are my family. When I say this, I'm not, I'm not preaching at you. I want us to get this so that when we leave here and come back next week, that this is now how we function. And I don't mean that, that we completely 180 today and that we completely change how we operate, how we think, how we believe, and ultimately how we behave as a result of all that. That's, that is an overtime thing. But more than anything, I want us to get the picture of Jesus right here with Mary sitting in a chair where she has, by the uh, disciples' terms, wasted everything that she had when it could have been spent anywhere else. And Jesus decided that this would be the message of the gospel. Why? Because he is worthy. He's worth it. He's ultimately worth more than that. But more than any value, he's worth everything. Which was the message that everything she had was spent and wasted on him. And he found it pleasing. Psalm 132 says this. This is verse three through five if you want to write this down. I will not enter my house. This is, this is a song from David, we think. I will not enter my house or get into my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a resting place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. I want to read this one more time. You, you just received this this morning. I, I, I want us to spend a minute on this. I will not enter my house or get into my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a resting place. Say resting place. Until I find a resting place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. Jesus. I want to charge us with this this week. Aaron and Allie, we all come back up for a few minutes for worship? I want us to do a little activation today, and it's a fun activation because it's just worship. <laughs> it's one we do all the time. But I, I want us, I'm going to spend a minute, and I want us to pray together as we worship. But this here, Psalm 132 is the thing I want us to walk away with this week. The desperation and the hunger that nothing else will satisfy, I will not rest until I create a resting place for God's presence. 
And it's in that place and from that place that we find that he is the only thing needed. He is the only thing necessary. He is the central focus of all things. He is the only one that can satisfy my soul. So I want us to do this for the next five minutes or so, five to seven minutes. I'm, I'm gonna let you guys play prophetically whatever you feel. And I'm gonna begin to pray. Jesus. Yeah, if you wanna remain seated, remain seated. If you feel like you need to stand, you can stand to worship. Let's, let's close our eyes together and hold your hands out in front of you. I, I want to release an impartation before we begin. Jesus. Father, I pray right now for the weighty revelation of the worth of Jesus in this room. portion in Luke 10. Would you show us the good part? you begin to tell him right now, Lord, you are worthy. Jesus, you are worthy. Lord, we set you apart. Lord, we set you in front of everything right now. Lord, would you give us a revelation of the throne room of heaven right now? revelation of the of Jesus the centerpiece of all existence shake the presence of God, that he didn't have to struggle to get into your presence because you wouldn't let him go. <laughs> uh. Come on, just begin to engage with Holy Spirit right now.
on, just begin to engage in worship right now. I just want you, Jesus. stand together for a few minutes and worship before we leave. to reveal the man Jesus to each and every one of us right now. Lord, show us the beauty of your holiness right now. this morning. Tell him this morning in your own words right now. Jesus, you're everything. Jesus, you're everything.
sin this morning. All I need. this morning I want us to do this you, you guys keep going and playing if if you want to activate this this morning here's what I want us to do instead of praying for one another if you want to activate this message inside of you I want you to come down front just as an act of faith and come and worship up front with us this morning for a few more minutes can you do that if, if that's you and you want this to become a reality for you I know this is a little bit odd or awkward for some, but if, if that's you and you want this to become a lifestyle, want us to come down front, come on. Come on, just begin to picture the beauty of Jesus right now. Stir up hunger in this house this morning. Lord, give us a desperation, a desperation, a hunger, a physical recalibration to hunger for you this morning.
the expression of God's love that we encounter when we say yes to Him is just absolutely incredible. I love what Stephen said. He said, worship is born out of prayer. And really, everything is born out of prayer. That's what makes us different from the world as Christians. That should be our natural stance that every time we go to do something, any move we are about to make, any financial decision, any life change, any anything that pertains to our life here on earth should be birthed out of a place of prayer as the Christian. Because it's from that place that we get clarity through Him. Amen? You know, I think sometimes it's it's so easy just to say, oh, I got a great idea. and We never really consult God about it. <laughs> and we just run with it. And then when it kind of falls apart, we don't maybe necessarily think we're blaming God, but sometimes I think we indirectly, we got to blame somebody. And then we realize, hey, I didn't even really ask him what he thought about this. I've done that plenty. <laughs> and when I've done that, I've had to go back and say, God, I ask you to forgive me. And he'll say, okay, I'm going to give you a new canvas and I'm going to paint this one. So, hey, I want to encourage you as you go through your week, go to him in prayer and say, God, what do you think about this? What do you want me to do? And let him give you a, a blank canvas for him to paint on in your life. And he'll redeem everything. He'll redeem all the bad decisions, the past mistakes. You won't be held accountable for those things because there, there is grace there for that as you learn and you move with Him. So Father, we just thank You for this time of worship, just a time of clarity and understanding that we all want to be Mary's. <laughs> Amen. We all want to be Mary's because it's in that place of being Mary's that we find our find our joy, we find our being, we find everything that we need in Him. And that's the place we need to be, at His feet. At His feet, pouring out our resources to Him. Because it's all His anyway. It is. And then He chooses to give it back to you. On a, even a greater measure. Yeah. Man, so good this morning. So good. I know this is a different way of doing things, but you know, different's good, Right? Yeah, it's good. Well, hey, love on somebody, hug them. Man, have a great week, and you're released. You're released. Amen. For more resources and information about Resurgent ATL, please visit our website 